0: man. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed at that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded by blue and green grass. And bored years like and I dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins. Where it all came from to handle that cape for the last time.
1: Return to Town 10th Year Anniversary Edition is a revised version of Andean's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material.
0: Spoken Label. Hi, it's Anne from Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers poets and artists over time it became monthly then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on that to a more regular basis to date i've done over 330 sessions and i'm always looking for new poets writers artists singer-songwriters general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast You can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp dot com. Obviously, now, to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts or send it over my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo dot co dot uk enjoy the podcast take care bye spoken label hey guys and the end spoken label back in the house friday evening and it's bloody freezing i'll have to put the heating on for a bit here which i'm gonna have to turn off in a few minutes but anyway i've got a fantastic writer with me tonight and met this young lady over at the fantastic online spoken word nightly of week old beehive and i had at the end of it four people messaged me on Facebook saying, you have to get this writer on and she was brilliant. The two I can remember that recommended Charlotte, who's with me today, was Nick Humbley, Nick and Clive. So thanks to those, you two straight away. And the other two people recommended, I apologise, I've forgotten. So, so but we have the wonderful Charlotte Falcon Falconbridge with me tonight. Charlotte, now obviously I know you're from the wonderful part of the world in, in Warwickshire. So tell us a bit about yourself as a person. I know you've this is quite a new experience for you, isn't it? Poetry in spoken word.
1: In Entirely new. Um, I'm an autistic and chronically ill poet and now a published author, which I wasn't um, up until recently. And I'm a musician as well and sound engineer. But yeah, poetry is the newest thing to me in my life. So it's, yeah, it's all happened so suddenly. Quite overwhelming, but in the best way possible.
0: Yeah, I think we're probably best to cover a bit of background about yourself because, like I said, you've been telling me a bit about yourself off mic, haven't you? So I was thinking you probably, we better give the heavier stuff out the way here first because you're not, we have to, I think the best put it is there's going to be there's some trigger warnings in this stuff today, most definitely. But I think you're looking at it and thinking in a very positive manner, which, which I can relate to because my health conditions as well. So tell us about then yourself growing up, then we'll do it that way.
1: Growing up, um, oh God. So, back, done... back when i was a lass <laughs> yeah but i still am really i'm only 24 so it's... Oh, you
0: look, you're only a little
1: baby right <laughs> i know I'm, I'm still growing up i'm still growing up Andy. um yeah i mean things started out fairly normally for what for what i thought at least um but it soon turned out that i i was anything but um ordinary which was a slight shock to the system as yeah growing up i was born completely mute and i think when i say that people say oh so was i cuz i was a baby but i think people it's a distinction between i mean i didn't make any noise i didn't cry i didn't laugh i didn't mm. make any kind of babbling baby noises and you know i've been around babies and little kids since and there's constant noise coming from them but i was just not like that and then cuz cuz for god for about three two or three years everyone just thought I was deaf because I didn't make any noise and I really struggled to kind of show, tell my face what my emotions were sort of feeling so I couldn't um express much emotion and but everyone knew that I could understand them because I'd respond I'd just respond in my own way or I'd point mm. at things I, I'd always figure out another way to communicate and then yeah it wasn't until I was three that I sort of started creating my own sign language um, to communicate. And that's the thing, I was never frustrated that I couldn't speak. Um, it was never a barrier. It was, for me, talking was just unnatural. And it was like, mm. that's not how I want to communicate. Um, but of course, when you're a toddler, you have to reach certain boundaries, like with development. And the health visitor that came to visit my mum said, look, if you don't do something, you know, she's going to get, taken away and you know stuff like this because it, it will be con- you know construed that you're not doing your job as a parent you know helping a child develop and it, there wasn't any flexibility around you know kids that don't fit inside a certain box it was just you have to be this way and that's it so yeah we I mean my mum then tried everything but she, she never really forced it because she knew that I wasn't frustrated and we could communicate and it was just just not something I needed to do. But then I went to see an osteopath and he did something to my head. They basically found out that my frontal lobes weren't properly aligned mm. because I was I had quite a few birth complications. Mm. Um, yeah, basically my brain just wasn't connected in the way that everyone else's was. So they had to manipulate my brain sort of back together. Um, and then as soon as they did that, it was like a switch was turned on. But I think because I had those few years of not speaking, that was just natural. So even though I could speak, I still didn't because it was just – that was the last resort because it wasn't – it's not natural. And it still isn't natural. Um, I still use other ways of communicating with now, People
0: are watching the video today. You're doing something I do a lot of. You're talking with your hands a lot. And I'm yeah. a bugger <laughs> for that. I know. Like, it was – I can relate to you, and like, I've got a number of health conditions myself, and like I was born partially blind, and I've also like, I'm blind in a few bits and pieces. And it's, its I think, communication with hands has always been important for me, and I can see that from talking to you today yeah. as well. Now, we'll come on to that in a bit because I know you use BSL obviously for your poetry sometimes as well. So, but yeah, it's, I think that's important to talk about you today, there because, but obviously, like, we have to, I have to ask you next, then, what's made you going to poetry particularly Mm. at such a sudden burst like it just happened doesn't it
1: yeah really i'd love there to be this really coherent lovely answer but honestly it was an accident um completely it was never the plan um i'd never wanted to do poetry it just yeah it happened by accident um i don't know if you know dk um Daniel K poetry.
0: Yeah, oh, I know I, Daniel. He's actually on Spoken Label in a couple of weeks' time. I know Daniel very really well. Oh, amazing. I can't wait <laughs> for
1: yeah. that. Yeah, we we get on so well. And poetry wouldn't have happened without him for me. Because I was I was told to get in contact by a colleague with someone called Daniel K on Instagram. Um, so I was searching for the account, um, and I must have spelt it wrong, or I think their name was spelled with an E and not an A. And then I found Daniel K poet, and I thought. Well, it it could be that person because they're really creative, but because I knew it was someone who's creative, but I thought, mm, I'm not quite sure. I'll message them anyway and ask. So got into conversation. I said, Are you Daniel K who does this? And he was like, No, but I do poetry. And because I'm so because I'm so socially, socially anxious and awkward, I thought, oh well, I can't just, you know, leave the chat and forget that I've started talking to this person. And then he said, oh, there's an event tonight, um, poetry event. And I was like, I just felt obliged to go because we started chatting. So I went begrudgingly thinking, oh, God, two hours of poetry. It's going to be so dry. Just what, why am I doing this? Like, There's nothing on telly. I thought I'll give it a go. And that night just changed my life because I met, I mean, Clive was there, Kate, Ashley, D. Kate. So many amazing poets were there that night that just, I didn't know poetry could be what it is today, and I think that's the thing. I'm not long out of school, so I still have the very traditional kind of views of what poetry is, but honestly, it was just life-changing, and I thought, oh, my God, I have to do this now. Like, this is incredible, and then suddenly I started writing poetry. So it was it was a complete accident. which is
0: You always say with life, and it happens, things like that happen for a reason. Absolutely. And I think as well, <clears throat> pardon me, my case I was four, I've been writing since I was ten, but I didn't take it seriously. I got to union, I was about thirty, and then, well, we took ten years on top of that. For I started taking it properly serious. Then, but you do, and it, everything you do like is an accident. And it's, it opens one thing up to another. I think sometimes, yeah. and it's like I think you've only been doing it, like I said, for a relative a relatively short period. But you, I get the impression it's turned your life upside down already.
1: It's just just the confidence it's given me because I'm i mean i I didn't speak to people before poetry and i couldn't you know i couldn't do mm. this someone didn't know i couldn't even string a sentence together so i just i don't know what power poetry has but it's honestly terrifying because like, how have you have i gone from not being able to speak to suddenly not being able to
0: shut up yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry no i'm teasing you ain't normally <laughs>
1: And I just think it's given me just so much confidence with myself to, you know, get everything out that I've wanted to get out. Um, so no, it's been it's been incredible. It's been no, you know. that's
0: it's important to hear that one straight away because it's. I think it does. Is it like it's. I think it. It lets you feel you can explain yourself to people more than, and mm. you go. You're going on stage or in you know, a Zoom or something. People can get them in minutes an idea what you like as a person because you've got a legitimate story to tell. I think half the time.
1: And I feel like I can say so much more in a poem than in a conversation because part of my autism is I can't express myself or process quick responses like having a conversation. Like Conversations to me are really difficult because they involve you having to think really quickly about what someone's saying to you. And my brain works like ridiculously slow. It's got a process that belong in like an eighties computer. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it is embarrassingly slow. Okay, so trying to have a conversation with someone it's so difficult, but yet with a poem, I can say everything I want to say without someone like you know interjecting. I just I just say the poem, and that sort of says everything I want to. So it's it's a great medium for me to communicate as well. Oh no,
0: No, I agree with you, I agree with you completely because I've done a full book, I've been diabetic and I want to do one about dyspraxia as well and it's, you do it's, I think if you, when it opens that trigger up in your head, there's things you need to say. So I think I should really talk about your book because I know you've got a book out haven't you, called Too "Too High to Function.
1: function,
0: we're going to talk. We're going to do a deep dive in the second half of people wondering today about this book with several poems and the book Charlotte's going to graciously read for us. But I want to hear first of all, Charlotte, where did the title come from?
1: The title came from mainly my disdain for the label high and low functioning. So I think people get this idea in your head, oh, if you're low functioning autistic, then, you know, you're, you're dribbling somewhere. And if you're high functioning, you're a genius. And there's no middle ground. It's just two ends of the spectrum. And I wanted people to realize that actually not everyone who's high functioning is 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 a genius. you know we're just normal people. you know, we're not special and equal. we're not of the other end like we're all the same. So for me too high to function just demonstrates that but again, also the challenge because I think when you say you're high functioning, people don't think there's anything wrong with you. they just see the good parts. but actually there's there's so much that offsets being high functioning that's actually really detrimental. So it was this this concept of being, you know, too high functioning, too highly in tune, is actually really detrimental. So it's not all, you know, sunshine and roses. It's 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 more of an even scale than people think, is basically what I'm trying to say. It's not yeah, you're not no. all high functioning. You're all just mixed in together.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so I agree with you on that one because it's I do know a few people aren't autistic and I say we would have been dyspraxia, really, because people who suffer these thought conditions, they're, they're among the most creative people and having in the world, really. You, it seems to pick change the way you look at things in different ways, that's and great. that's why, particularly after you've been writing for like the quick period you have to bring a book out this quick. That's that's some going, let alone be writing the material. I think you're having, your writing because have you read? You write some incredible, credible material on the minute.
1: Thank you. And I think, well, my book, it's kind of a bit cheeky because my book's not... My book has poetry in it, but it's not a poetry book. Um, Mm. And because it's a book book about my life, really, um, Mm. being on the And I started writing it on my 21st birthday. That's when I just got this idea, right, I need to write a book because I can't say verbally what I want to say. Like with poetry, I've discovered I can say more in a poem. So I thought people need... Tell my story so that they don't have to go through what I went through because there's no need to go through what I went through you know you it doesn't have to be this trial you know it can be something amazing so it's yeah I wanted to document my whole self-acceptance journey and all those challenges I faced and how I've overcome them and kind of giving hope to people that it doesn't have to be this massive monumental life-changing negative event it's actually an incredible thing to embrace So yeah, Yeah. that was that
0: was brilliant. Brilliantly said, indeed. So now, obviously, uh, your book itself is out with inclusive creatures, I believe, isn't it? So
1: creatives. Yeah, your version, to be honest, inclusive
0: creatures. Oh, it's me. If you're talking bollocks as normal, (laughs) self. Well, tell us about then how you got involved in it. How old are these people? Well,
1: it's some again. It's something that I found it. and originally it just started as, you know, how am I going to sell this book? You know, just come up with a website. But then everyone, I got the idea originally from my artist for the book. Um, and then my editor and my graphic designer, because every person completely accidentally who's been involved in my book is autistic or is married to someone who's autistic or who has autistic kids. And it made me realise, especially my artist, because she'd never done a commission before. Um and I went She's straight wow. in. the yeah, and wow. I was like, look, I love your art. It's exactly what I want. How would you feel about this? And she was terrified at the start. She was like, oh my God, so many people are going to see this, which I completely understood. But I really wanted to persevere because I knew she had the ability. It was just the confidence. So what I now do with Inclusive Creators is shine a spotlight on disabled creators, creators so that if people want to support disabled artists, musicians poets then they've got a hub to go to and it's something that I've only just started so really hoping to expand in the future um especially with it with myself as well it's really hard finding employment you know when you have these difficulties so yeah my aim was to find well to create the space where people could you know advertise what they do and you know everyone would know sort of their story and you know how they could work well with them you know what what they wanted from you know the artist. So yeah, that's kind of the inspiration behind it. So it kind of grew from just somewhere to sell my book to actually this community. So
0: what I really liked was looking at your website before was when you put your you put up your bio and I've gonna to have to I've got to, I've got to pull the others now, okay? Cause I think it's you it really made me smile. Where you've put up on your in your bio on your, on the website was you're living you're living with two dogs four cats and three owls. And then you put on obviously about all the those bits and pieces and your health conditions, your things you've registered with. But then I love at the end of it and the bio when you put and a worsening cat addiction.
1: Well, yeah, I mean you, you laugh, Andy, but it's no,
0: no. I've had loads of cats. No, so so I know, I know exactly what you mean. I just love, I love it the fact where you like is you're smiling at yourself at the end of it. There, you're not letting life grind you down.
1: Always, I'm. Everyone who knows me knows I'm just, like, the most positive person. But I think people misinterpret that and thinking that I'm just, you know, faking being happy all the time. But I think being a positive person is being able to accept the negativity and accepting that. Because if you can't accept the bad, you can't embrace the good. So, yeah, I'm not afraid to just smile at myself. And, yeah.
0: That's what I'm like, because I've just started a brand-new day job. And I don't think they quite realised what they were getting with me when they let me loose in there. <laughs> because I've, I've had the manager tell me already, i would known and on for about a month, they're saying to me, I've come in there and I've just got a smile on my face all the time. And it's like, I think that's the way you look at it, Like is I think I can relate to you in this, like is the fact that we've both got problems. Oh, I, I don't like that word problems. We've both got things that can make life awkward for us. That's a better way of putting it, I think. <laughs> But we don't let it grind us down, do we? And that's the best way of looking at it, I think. So well put. <laughs> that's why. Now, obviously, like talking about your poetry then really, because it's really about your poetry today. Now, obviously, we've been writing for such a short time. Mm-hmm. How have you found already that your approach to your writing is changing all the time still?
1: Oh my goodness, all the time compared to what I was doing on week one. <laughs> and just, you know, how I'd go about it is it's completely different and the way I see words I think that's that's Mm. um um, I write more conceptually as opposed to literally so I'm very good at like if someone was, was to ask me how do you feel that's the worst question for an autistic person because like where do you start I don't know like what are these things called emotions you know I really struggle with interpreting them but I think but yeah, I can write a poem. So I think it's just such a lovely way to explore things that I don't really know about myself as well. So that, yeah, it's completely evolved to just words on a page to actually expression on a page. I think that's how I describe my journey since June, really.
0: Yeah, I think I can I can relate that and agree with it because certainly when I first started writing of words, I used to throw them down the page sometimes. But pretty quickly, I began to get into structure and order that sometimes isn't always what people expect, so I think it's, I think that's part of the process of it really, I suppose, isn't it? So
1: I think it's, but honestly, it's just every event I go to, I get inspiration, and I think I've learned so much off everyone else, I think that's what's great about the community, you always come away with something, whether it's a word or an idea, or a new form of poetry, you always get inspiration, it's like, free English lessons because you just learn so much from other people and that's because in the beginning I'd write one poem every month and I thought oh my god hmm. how do people write like all the time but it's just getting that constant inspiration from people which yeah. now I can't stop and it's almost a bit annoying I'm like okay my head just needs to be quiet for today but oh. it's just yeah it's just phenomenal the amount that you pick up from everyone else so that's, that's I- how I've learned
0: how are you going to happen an Amanda does, my wife? Um, I know she's up right at sometimes, two or three in the morning. Sometimes she is. She goes to bed say eight o'clock or nine o'clock and she's up two or three. Right? And a poem coming into her dreams or something yeah. lying or something annoying and waking her up.
1: Yeah, for me, it's when I'm in the bath or at four in the morning. That's, yeah. that's the only two times. It's really inconvenient when I'm in the bath because I can't really write on paper with wet hands so I, I have to kind of remember Aww. i have to remember my poems and i'm out of the bath then i then i go to my laptop and just have a massive kind of poetry done from my laptop yeah. But yeah it's quite inconvenient because yeah
0: yeah. You can't I, enough, but yeah yeah that can relate to that yes usually i have like my phone in the bathroom and i'm shouting out words to the voice oh, recorder really? <laughs> yeah if i ever get into that trip yeah oh but you're right i think when you go down to various nights and stuff a good night or Encourage you to try other things. Like, it's I'm quite pr- happy and proud of myself, really. Me and Mandra that we've to some degree helped Clive Osmond look at his work in a different way as well. Because, like, Clive's doing like flash fiction now and short stories. And although I would never dream of doing spoof Amazon ads like um, reviews like <laughs> he does, I don't know where he gets that from. <laughs> but you do like it. So, I think as well as I like do write you've got to be constantly check evolving anyway. So and that's why I think you're right of it. It's I found it interesting when we've been talking this week. You tell me you do your music as well, don't you? As well.
1: Yeah. And I think because I'm naturally creative anyway. <clears> so <throat> I think, you know, just having another creative avenue It's just it's just another string to my bow. It's just, oh yeah, I do this and I do this now as well, apparently. Um, but yeah, music's been a massive part of my life. Again, it go it all goes back to not being able to speak because now I use poetry as my way of expressing myself to my family and my friends. Back then it was music. Um, I find it so much easier if I could play something you know in a minor key that sounded sadder to tell my mum that I was upset than to say I'm upset. So that's again how I've communicated through the whole of my life. So I think that's why I'm so good at music because that's been my language. um so yeah, that's it's all it's all stemmed from that really. So I think creativity. I use creative pursuits as my way of communicating because it's just easier than speaking.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that myself because like, it's we've been talking about music over the past week and like, when I first started off, the, the band I'm in, mean, I do by myself now, that started off basically when I was suffering from quite bad and um, unable to sleep at night time. I'd come out of a long-term relationship before I met Amanda and I was up to them I was like four or five in the mornings, I couldn't sleep, so I was using... Keyboard, learn learn how to do music, then to help you settle down.
1: Yeah, yeah. like
0: you do sometimes. It's it, your brain operates in different ways sometimes. Straight away with it, so like it was. Um, what stage are you up to with your music now? Then, because I don't, I know that that's quite a new process for you as well, isn't it? What you've been telling me as well.
1: Well, I mean, my instruments and stuff. That's been oh my goodness. I could play the drums before I could walk. Um, oh, could you? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, because it was how I communicated. It was, you know, instead of speaking, That's that was how I kind of got my feelings across. So, and I remember, I think I, I was 12 when I got my grade eight on my drums. Um, but yeah, when I was three, I started piano. I And yeah, it's just trying to pinpoint it it's so hard because it's just, that's like my earliest memory is music um and then I play guitar and bass now but I learned guitar self-taught when I was 15 because that coincided with when I was I got my chronic illness because obviously piano and drums you need kind of all four of your limbs because your piano you got your pedals drums you got your pedals and you obviously use your hands from them as well but you know when I was 14 15 suddenly overnight I just couldn't walk anymore so I lost my way of communicating I lost my lifeline and so I thought, OK, I need something else. So I thought I'll learn guitar because that's, you know, another instrument. I know I know, I know music well. I know I express myself with that, but I don't need legs to play guitar. So it seems like a good option. So, yeah, that's how guitar started. Um, and again, like poetry, that took over my life completely. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, instruments <laughs> were also a big part. And only recently I've gotten into the, um, you know, audio production, sound engineering sides of things. But yeah, that's been really interesting to learn about too. So
0: yeah, we were talking about that during the week as well. Like I said, you were asking me well, what package do I use and stuff, and
1: yeah,
0: uh, it's no, you kind of see, you did surprise me a little bit there in a good way, right? So <laughs> I wasn't expecting that question off you. That's why. So
1: the thing, you do. It was never in my plan, but I think I was one of those kids who, when I was when I was young, I had a plan for life, right? So I was like, okay. I'm going to be an astrophysicist because I'm a massive physics geek. I love physics, I love maths. Um, I'm a total nerd. So I thought, <laughs> yeah, I am. It's, it's embarrassing. No, so,
0: you're not. Listen, you get to my age, I'm the total nerd. I know that, right? <laughs> I
1: heard the Doctor Who episode of your podcast.
0: Oh, but... don't start me on that because I've got – <laughs> you've already seen that I've launched another new podcast with Amanda and our friend Grant this week. And the first 20 minutes, that was about David Tennant worship. Anyway, right? <laughs>
1: so yeah I said to myself right that's what I'm gonna do. you love it you're passionate about that but of course when life throws you a massive curveball you know I found myself I wasn't able to go to school let alone go to uni so mm. overnight you know wheelchair bound I had to be home educated do all my exams at home so uni was just off the table so it took a lot it took a long time to kind of figure out what I wanted to do next and I realised just, just go, with your, go with your heart, don't go with your head, because physics was your head. But actually, go with what's been with you naturally from the start, and that was creativity and music. So it's it's so weird retrospectively to say, but I'm so glad that, you know, something happened that made me change my life in that way, because I'd never have done poetry if I hadn't have continued my music journey, because then I wouldn't have met DK. And just the way things connect is just fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. I also am a, a believer as well. and I'm intrigued to know your point of view on this as well. Is once you master one aspect of being a creative and a creative medium, which is music in your case, I think it's always it's a lot easier to be able to do a second thing, which, like in this case, is poetry. And yeah. in my case, it started off with poetry, now music as well, now also podcasting as well. It's yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think as well, it always things break off in directions you don't don't want to expect sometimes.
1: I think as well, because for me, poetry is so similar to music. Um, yeah. you know, they have both got a rhythm. You both use an instrument, which is your voice. You know, you use expression, you use expression in music. So the two just, to me, they're basically the same. So I almost see it as one art form, really. Um, but yeah, so it's 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 weird because in theory, poetry should have been in my life ages ago. I just didn't think it could be what it is today. So Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. will no, I get you completely with it. Do you, could you see yourself merging your words with music in the
1: future maybe? Oh, definitely and I've already started doing work with DK on his poems doing that. Oh. Um, Cuz I didn't I did, again I didn't know that was a thing until the poetry community and I started meeting poets like DK who did poems to music. Um so yeah, absolutely. I'd be well up for that. Totally. Yep.
0: Cool. We'll talk about that off mic then, right? Couple of collaboration on the way there, and definitely. And then, so, <laughs> so no brilliant. Now, I want to do a, like I said, I we do a deep dive on four of your poems from your book anyway in the second half. But I've got to wrap up this point with a couple of my standard questions anyway. So, do you have any sort of ideas where you want your creativity to take you next?
1: I do. I think. What I've learned from mainly poetry so far is that I really want to create more opportunities for people like myself who really struggle performing, because I can perform ish, but it takes so much. After watching
0: you, what? Can I interrupt you one second? After watching you, old Beehive, get rid of the word ish, right? (laughs) Turn up for me, right?
1: I think. Oh it's so weird again because speaking just isn't natural to me at all but I just think my journey would have been so much easier if there were lots more avenues to go down where I wouldn't have to perform to get my work out there so yeah I really hope to create more within Included Creatives um, an anthology specifically designed for those who submit to who struggle performing who can get their work out there if they want to share it without the anxiety of having to perform it because so many people have a voice but just can't express it in the way that everyone else can so yeah it's creating these opportunities for those who struggle and obviously more books on the way because i just thought that i thought this would be the only book but no poetry apparently now that's you know that's gonna next
0: christmas i reckon there'll be a 300 page book coming out for you second book definitely
1: Already already got plans. Already got plans.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. We'll get you back on here again when that comes out, then I promise you. Now, obviously, (laughs) to conclude part one, seriously, um, if you want people to first of all get hold of the book, where do you recommend they go?
1: I recommend they go to inclusivecreatives.co.uk just because it's cheaper than Amazon. Um, So I'm doing a little favor there. Amazon will be more expensive, Waterstones more expensive. So just go direct. Um, or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Charlotte Falconbridge, and direct message me. And that's another way to get in touch and get a hold of things.
0: That's good to me, then definitely so right, everybody. I've really enjoyed part one. We will enjoy part two, because like I said to you before, this young lady left a few people stunned or beehive the other week. So pressure. <laughs> not pressure. Not pressure, it's not pressure, it's only me, right? So <laughs> see you all in two minutes. Spoken Label. Hey guys, at the end, Spoken Label, waving hands around tonight, the amazing Charlotte Falconbridge. As I hinted in the first half, Charlotte is going to do not one, not two, not three, but four poems, and I'm going to put it with a mincer after each poem, I promise you as well. Not really, right? Mm. But we will be asked to talk about them each piece for go along. so over to you, Charlotte, okay? Give us your first poem.
1: Thank you. So this one is called The Only One and it was the first poem I ever wrote and my theme for the poems today is the end of the year so I'm very reflective so I wanted to do sort of standout poems that I've written since June, since my poetry journey sort of began. So yeah this is called The Only One and it's in my book in between some of my chapters as I wanted to break the chapters up for people who struggle reading big text sort of in one go and it's a very short poem just about how it feels to be autistic, is that's how most of my poems sort of come out and express themselves. And for all the people watching YouTube or watching the video, I am going to be doing this one in BSL because that's again, kind of my main language. So yeah, I hope you enjoy and maybe learn a couple of signs along the way. So this is The Only One. It's like I'm the only one who can feel the earth spinning on its tilt yet no one believes me as everything looks still. It's like I'm the only one who can feel our planet hurtling around the sun, yet no one believes me as everything carries on. It's like I'm the only one who can feel we're falling through time and space, yet no one believes me as nothing ever breaks. It's like I'm too alien for Earth, too human for outer space, yet no one believes me. As I wear the same old face. Thank you. That's the first one.
0: That is absolutely beautiful. And I think doing it as a BSL as well. hold on a second. I think doing it as BSL really adds a different layer to it as well. There's yeah. a poet in Northern Ireland, I don't know if you know him, called Michael Wilson. Uh, he's, he does full sets using BSL, he does with his poetry. Yeah. But he's the other way around. He actually learned it as an adult. Your Katie've you've, you've done it the other way around and to top of it there. So do you find an obviously with your poetry itself then say for example when you're writing your now, do you actually do them through BSL first or do they come straight as words?
1: Well that's that's so interesting a question to ask because depending on what subjects I'm writing about, it really depends because in BSL you don't have a sign for every word. So like the second poem that I'm gonna do tonight. I couldn't do that in BSL because there aren't a lot of signs for a lot of the words so or a lot of signs double up meaning two words so it's it's it's, it's intuitive but it's also it's not so yeah it it honestly depends on what poem it is um which is why sometimes like I've only done one full set in sign language before because it just depends if the words work with the signs um so yeah it's a bit of a it depends really the answer yeah. to that <laughs>
0: When I was hearing this one back, and I have to be honest with this as well, I actually started composing music for this in my head, actually, bizarrely enough. Not. <laughs> it was very me that I was sat there thinking, I thought, heck, I could do my own space ambient music on top of that because there's a lot of references to like the earth and space and stuff. And it's, well,
1: I'm, I'm just a fan of space and you know, Doctor Who and anything nerdy. So, yeah, that's...
0: yeah. Well, we hinted at it in the first half, and I've got to ask you then, who's your favorite Doctor? Tenant, like... Oh, it's got to be the Tenant for me. The modern one, certainly, yeah.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt.
0: <laughs> I grew up, listen, I grew up because I'm old, not that old. We are literally watching Tom Baker. Yeah,
1: he's
0: and the what, second one. Oh, he's, he's unbelievable, he is. And that's why, but Tenant's brilliant. It's great seeing back and Doctor He doesn't even for a short while this time. Yeah. We've got two two more weeks, haven't we, by looking at things. But, yeah, definite pleasure. So <laughs> That one, yeah. I could definitely see you, like I said, that one there, yeah. It's brilliant that one piece because I'd love the reference about when you say you like you're too human for outer space or you're too alien for Earth. And because what I think is really good about that piece I mean, is there's a conflict in it, and the conflict I think is you're not given a straight answer to that. And I think I, think, I like that when you're going to make you're wearing the same old face, even though you're only twenty four.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think as well with that poem because all, all the things I'm sort of explaining about you know the Earth spinning. You know literally falling through time and space I think because they're all things that are actually happening so it's not even like I'm making things up and I think think that's the point of the poem is that you know you, you're you trying to tell someone that you know about yourself that it's actually happening but no one can see it but yet it's still happening so that's why I use those really sort of strong concepts because yeah th- those are actual things that are happening you just can't see them no one can see that but it doesn't mean they're not there so. yeah
0: yeah you know, I agree what you've done I think you've done really well with this piece as well is like you're taught, there a lot of it is on you're doing the emphasis between about like yourself and the world it so you makes yourself look like an in, insignificant a piece of grass yeah. but you are important to yourself yes. and that's what I think, yeah excellent stuff great start okay I'm not gonna put, I'm not gonna have a grind even more on that one <laughs> on, on to piece number two
1: on to piece number two so this is something that I wrote on the day of the whole Barbie Oppenheimer thing, when those two films came out. And I wanted to do this poem today, even though people might think, oh, it's irrelevant. But it's actually not, because the message still is really true. But yeah, I wanted to do it today, because it's the first poem of mine ever got published, and one of the first I ever wrote. So I was really, it was a really proud moment of mine. So yeah, I wanted to bring it today. And yeah, the whole media rivalry behind the whole Barbie Oppenheimer thing was basically saying... You know, you, you, which film are you going to see? And I'm an absolute nerd, but I'm also a girly girl. So I like, well, why can't we see both? You know, why does it have to be this sort of gender, you know, this really strict strict gender rule between what I'm supposed to like and what the media is telling me I'm supposed to like? So, yeah, that's why I wrote this poem. And honestly, I wrote this talking about O Beehive earlier. I wrote this five minutes before O Beehive and then performed it that night, not really thinking if it was any good. Um, and then, yeah, it was the first poem of mine that got published in various places. So, yeah, that was really cool. So, yeah, this one is called Nuclear Fuchsia. Why do I have to pick between pink and quantum mechanics? Can I not like electromagnetism as well as blush and bubblegum? Can I not wear magenta as I calculate inertia or split the atom whilst wearing shades of salmon? What if I wore carnation to learn about the H-Bomb's creation or drench myself in watermelon as I witness Pascal acceleration because I like brains and I like them big. And no, not just because the cerebral cortex is pink, but because I like to think, not just to look pretty. My general relativity shouldn't be defined by my taste in colour theory, but it says here, future of fission. That is my decision. But can I not be more than one thing? because I'm a beauty and a geek, so give me particle accelerators by the sea. Quantum calculations written in Cerise, the thermodynamics of our energy and the gravitational waves of the universe's synergy, not a pastel ultimatum with a half-life of raising momentum. So spare a thought for my centripetal force and the spin of my reactor's nucleus core, because whether I like the dusky tones of photon diffraction, my matter matters. So yeah, that's nuclear fusion, and it's one of my favourites. Um, Brilliant stuff, death. yeah. What, what? Sorry.
0: Sorry, I'm coughing to death in the background. Then, oh, so my <laughs> chest no, ain't great at the minute. So, particularly when you're diabetic, get so you can never shift it. So, what I was going to say to us that is that is such. It's interesting. You didn't think much. You didn't think much of that poem, so you just read it out. I think it's really shows that so the way your brain processes stuff as a. Your physics side, your physician side, or the scientific side.
1: Yeah, I think I... It's... obviously it's just how I think about stuff. So I just think, oh, it's not anything special. <laughs> but so many people said you need to get that out there because it's such a good poem. And what yeah, you're trying true. to say, you know. No, I yeah. like
0: it. I it's like true. it because I love the comparison. Cannot like can I not like electron magnetism as well as blush and bubble gum? I thought that's such yeah. a good comparison, <laughs> that is. Yeah. Like a splitting the atom while waving shades or slamming. Yeah. This is really good questions you're asking there. And even the rhythm is really, really tight on this piece as well. That's why. So it's certainly I think it's it's when you get into your poetry more sometimes. There's some pieces that stand up well on the page or as a performance piece. This this I think does both.
1: I think I think that's the thing because I did um I did a video of it that again has gotten thousands of views by this point um yeah as well as it being published um in journals it works performance wise as well in the video so it's good because I don't often write stuff that looks good doing both so it was nice that that piece um brought both of those things together and it was the first time I ever enjoyed performing a poem because before then. It was so anxiety inducing. I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed writing it, but not saying it. So, yeah, it was a turning point for me. And then the response it got was brilliant. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. The other question I've got, I'm interested in learning about this piece is this is the awkward, awkward poet me now asking mm-hmm. is I love the ending of it where you do done like, because I like the dusky tones of mm-hmm. a photon different, I can't pronounce that word, but mind matter matters. What made you want to do the last line that that my matter matters with the repetition slightly?
1: Yeah, well, I think I love in a poem when I use a word twice in a row that the words mean different things. So, you know, saying my matter is saying, you know, my my cells, my atoms, you know, they matter. So I, I love I love doing that in poem poems, you know, using the same word but with different meanings. Um it's just something I really like to do. And it just worked perfectly to finish that poem. So it had to go in.
0: <laughs> I think it works. I think it works really well to honest you? But it's one of those ones where sometimes if you're not careful on it, you can trip yourself up in it. But you've put the you fought it outright and I think I think you're dead right with that piece, don't it, you?
1: It's such a hard poem to say as well, because all the words I like I I find it so hard to say without the words in front of me because Again, I'm not good at speaking, so it's trying to remember all the long words. It's yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah, and that's it's the minor part as well. Yeah, and I wouldn't be able to do that one in BSL because there aren't signs for a lot of those words, so you'd have to spell them out. But obviously, the rhythm of doing a poem, you couldn't spell out those words with the rhythm you're saying it. So yeah, it'd be a bit of a mission to try and. Yeah,
0: I've sign. just signed the coin because i obviously been dyspraxic. I can put the words down on the paper. But then when I get on stage, I can end up completely making a dog's dinner of pronouncing the words. Yeah. And Do you I find that I... yourself sometimes when you're doing your readings now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, just speaking is not easy. So I do, you know, I used, I used to stammer a lot. I used to trip on my words. So, yeah, I do struggle getting words out, for sure. So, especially with that one. I mean, I'm I'm glad that went through just in one take, if I'm honest, because that's... <laughs>
0: People don't but, know that we don't tell people that. Yeah, label, no, right? I'm just
1: that that is a rare event that you've just witnessed. Say <laughs> like that all in one go. So, yeah, that was um, really that was, a great event. Yeah.
0: No, was tremendous indeed. So, okay, Have me to shut up again and have another massive coffee fit. Back to you for poem number three.
1: So this one is it's is kind of. Okay, the story behind why I wrote it, I'm going to explain that first. It's called Dreamcatcher. And I wrote this on the day I was supposed to go and see Elton John in the summer. But because of my chronic illness, I have to miss out on a lot of things in my life um, and always have done. Next year will actually be 10 years of living with my chronic illness. And even though I'm 24... You know, when people say to me, oh, how, how old are you? I I don't, I can't answer straight away because I don't feel my age because I've not really, you know, I've gone from being a child to an adult. I've not had my teenage years. It's That's all been taken away from me. And, yeah, it just happened on the day I was supposed to see Ellen John. I had a really bad flare-up and, you know, I couldn't walk very well. So I wasn't able to go. So I wrote this poem and it really helped me get a lot of that grief out there because, yeah, it's really hard to live with when you know 10 years later it's still going on strong and you can't you know you can't move on until you start processing it and it will always be a part of me that you know I've missed you know I've missed that part of my life so yeah it's important to write about so yeah this is about yeah living with my chronic illness and not you know having to miss out on the things you want to do whilst everyone else is living the events that you want to be living so hope I've explained that concisely probably not but yeah here we go This is Dreamcatcher. There is a time at the end of the day When all of the world just falls away And all that is left is you in your bed With a ticking time bomb for a head My alarm clock rings at the exact same time But if it broke, I don't think I'd mind I'm so sick of staring at my ceiling It's just an alibi for your feelings I count the clock Picturing my wings. My feathers were soft, but now they just sting. A constant reminder of what I could have been. But these wings were just not made for me. But you, look at your plume. Round the world you flew whilst I stayed in my room. I saw the crescent. You saw the whole of the moon. I saw you dance on top of Mars. I had to sit back and watch from afar. You saw the stars set behind the sun whilst my space and time was being undone. I watched as you dove deep into the abyss whilst I cowered in the shadow of your eclipse. I caught a glimpse of you above Saturn whilst I lay in your orbital pattern. I saw you swim in the sea of tranquility whilst I drowned under the weight of your gravity. You found the many in the one as I questioned my general relativity. So how do I dream so big when my eyes barely close? Maybe it's the way I wish for a better way to make it in this world. This dream catching will be the death of me, as now I'm left with something I want to see. But these dreams were just not made for me. So thank you. I do get I do get quite emotional reading that one out because I think because it's such a slow paced poem as well. It it just slows time down when I read it, so I'm properly in the moment, and you can't get out of that moment, so yeah, that like is an emotional one to read, but yeah, just an ongoing battle, really. It's a
0: completely different pace to the other two pieces, I think, yeah. because the first one you can argue was, well, I've never used the word light, but it was like very different to the second one, the second one was really quite a technical piece, I think all the words mixing around between the two various forms. This is I guess well, it's like, a yeah, The Dream Catcher is a good title for this piece because yeah. it just does feel like it was a weird sort of dreams to me in this one. Or that yeah. moment where you're close to sleep mm. or close to waking up, I think.
1: Uh, I think, again, it's interesting. This is why I love this selection of poems. <laughs> this was very early <laughs> on. I, I couldn't explain things literally because they were too painful. So by using my kind of comforting space... You know, kind of imagery, I was able to express myself. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's a hard one to read. And it was really hard to write as well, because it was, yeah, probably the first thing I wrote about my chronic illness, which has now led me to be able to write loads of things. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, definitely challenging. Oh, I think you're still on mute, Andy.
0: I am still on mute there. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, see, perks today when I'm in coffee fits because my chest is rubbish, I'm having to keep muting myself and, and then basically i forget to unmute myself but yeah with this poem yeah, it's everything is about the tone in this piece for me cuz it is it's a very very softest poem and i can see like it's like within the length of it as well it was one i think it must have took you a while to write this piece as well now the one question i'm interested in about this piece is cuz the structure of it the people read it is four lines per stanza all the way down right to the end when the last stanza is, is not that at all. So, was that a conscious decision to actually break your form at the end of the last stanza?
1: That last bit of the poem, um, is actually part of a song that I've written, ah, that I, ding. yeah, yeah, and basically, I got the whole poem from that verse in this song that I wrote so. I think because and this is one of the challenges of separating music from poetry, is that it's so hard when I take inspiration from one of my songs because in my head I've got the music playing, but yet that's not the rhythm of the poem. So yeah, it wasn't a conscious decision, but for me it just worked well because I think I've got the steady pace and I needed to. It needed something as an ending, I think, um, to ground my reader. So
0: yeah, I think it, it works really well. I think sometimes. It's great when you're actually doing a poem where there's, you're quite rigid and you structure and your rhythm, then to just kick it in, kick it in the head and the last stanza basically all together, Which I think you've done there. It does work. It does work definitely. So I'm I do it.
1: that quite a lot now um, with poems if I want to make a particular point. So yeah, it's another device I like to use. But yeah, unintentional. Right. So
0: okay, let's move on to let's use the words big finale then, right? Because <laughs> the last the last piece I think is. Is definitely the most heavy-hitting piece at the four them, I think, straight away. So, And I think you've made, you've made the right choice doing this as the last piece, I believe, as well. So,
1: yes. over to you. I'm glad we agree on that. I'm glad we agree. And, yeah, I chose to do this one because this is my most recent poem, so it's nice. I've got the first poem I wrote, my most recent one, and then some highlights in between. And, yeah, I really wrote this in response to when people tell me that I don't look autistic. Um, and it is called cool You Don't Look Autistic, but I might rename it to be called Take a Shot every time I say the word autistic, because reading it back, I say it an awful lot of amount of times, but it is, it is fairly important to the time. So yeah, this is, you don't look autistic. They say my concealment is an achievement. It's my biggest bereavement. The greatest impeachment to my heart and soul, yet I'm blamed for the inconvenience of digging my own six foot hole but it was never my goal to enrol this guard on parole. It grew and evolved like a cheese with mould. It was out of my control. I didn't get to choose what stuffing was used to fill this doll, nor that the thread that sewed my seams was bronze, not gold. So saying I don't look like the thing that I am is the most insulting compliment I will never understand. Mainly because it's not a compliment. It's a remark that should be banned, judgment from the highest chain in command. You don't look autistic, you're too pretty. The exact words from my GP, someone with a medical degree telling me that my brain is too ugly to match my physique. You don't look autistic, you're a woman. We can multitask, you know, it's not an illusion. You don't look autistic, you've got wit. Well, you don't look like an arsehole, but you're still talking shit. You don't look autistic is what they say to comfort me. But really, it's for them as they're uncomfortable with the labelling. It's denial. You loaded the rifle for this trial of revival, triggering these thoughts into spiral. I've got more sleeves and a record cabinet full of vinyl that cover my scars of suicidal survival. They say it like I won a prize for lying, even though I'll die trying to fight this gravity-defying conspiring, but you don't make it easy to tell the truth. I wish I could, but all the bullying and abuse, calling me a duck when I'm clearly a goose, a few screws me tied up in a noose, I learnt that the world wasn't a safe space where I could let my heart run loose. I was six when I first asked my mum if I was adopted. I felt that disconnected from my own genetics. I thought I was her glitch in the matrix, the family's prosthetic. I wish you could see it because it's so beautiful. It's revolving in a different direction to the earth, gazing for stars in every stranger. It's dreaming in the day, the world's colours conspiring to overwhelm the grey. It's singing in the rain. They're right in a way. I don't look autistic because autism is not some look of shame. It's a testament to our human flame. They just don't want to see it as then they would have to acknowledge it, do something about it, help. You don't look autistic is the worst card I can be dealt because being autistic is my favorite thing about myself. Thank you.
0: The last line is, is perfect. There straight away
1: because yeah.
0: it's I mean, you you bring in the full piece because like it's saying it's I think mean, you when you when you're a creative person and you learn to live with it that's the last line's crunch crucial there basically so
1: I think but as well it's just it's just true like it is my favorite thing about myself and I think what people you know fail to forget is that you know actually having these difficulties. That that isn't the hard part. It's people's opinions and people's views and people making your life harder. That is the hard part, and I think that's the point I'm trying to make. It's being autistic. That's not that's not the issue. It's the response from other people. That's the issue.
0: Yeah, no, you do, and you've carried it. And I think some very clever ways in this piece because, like, it's the bit when you swore in it. I thought that was a nice bit of humour. That yeah. it was done right because it would make most audiences laugh. I suspect. Yeah. But then, like it. You could have made. You stopped at that point. You could have turned it into a comedy piece, but then like it was like. But I mean, you're right with that. But I also like the the line two lines before it as well, where you don't look autistic. You're a woman. We can multitask. You know, it's not an illusion. I thought, yeah, that again is slightly humorous, but that's the more serious side, and it's
1: it's yeah. just you know, it's yeah,
0: yeah it's true, true. It. yeah, it's true. So and I said. I can obviously, I can't relate to It's not a woman, but I've got a wife that I certainly could have some lines on that. So, yeah, no, really, really good piece, that, as well. And did you find, then, because, obviously, people will watch, read, listening back to this, and notice that's a fair bit longer than your other poems. So are yeah. your more newer stuff getting longer, then, do you reckon?
1: I think so, because I think, and again, from listening to everyone else, I realise poetry isn't just one thing, and one poet doesn't just have one style. And just write about one thing. I think it's being able to think, okay, well, this isn't this isn't my usual style, but that's okay. It's not a bad thing. And I think with my Beehive set especially, which is what where I debuted this, I actually wrote the poems for Beehive specifically for Beehive. Um, other than the only one and my Misheard Lyrics poem, um, I I wrote those before, but other than that, I wrote everything for that event because, you know, I was new on the scene. People didn't really know me and I wanted to sort of say hello and sort of tell my story um, without having to message everyone, getting to know them, you know, <laughs> in the conventional way. I just wanted people to know exactly what my story was, who, you know, what I've been through, what what I'm all about in one sort of 20 minute bundle. And I think I achieved that with my set sort of overall. Um, but yeah, and I love performing this piece tonight, which is why I chose it, because it's my favourite one to perform And because it ends just on such a, not even uplifting note, just truthful to who I am, really. Just, yeah. It's a
0: great great choice to finish with today, definitely. So it's been a great set. Thank you for today, Charlotte. It's been (laughs) a pleasure. Really, really enjoyed this today.
1: Thank you. I have as well, surprisingly. Talking to someone I don't know, it's been...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, look at it. You know me now, anyway, as I always say. And when book number two is ready. Give us a shout because you are definitely welcome to come back on here again. Okay, so I'll,
1: I'll be back if I'm allowed. Definitely. Yeah, oh, you
0: will be. Susie so Arnold Strutsinger saying, "I'll be back." Right. <laughs> 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 anyway, anyway, guys and girls, we're going to wrap up here. So i will talk to Charlotte a bit more. I mic anyway. So thank you again, Charlotte. It has been a, definitely been a pleasure today. Certainly a privilege.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been yeah, it's been lovely. Thank you.
0: Okay, guys and girls, well, like I said for all, That's it for another episode today. We will be back. So Tony says I'll be back. So <laughs> but I'm going to use a, I'm going to use saying that over to use AEW uses okay, and I've got uh, Don Callis uses over there. Stay safe, and more importantly, stay over, and we will see you all next time.